Hey everyone, it's Caitlin Bristow. You can listen to my show, Off the Vine, with Caitlin Bristow every Tuesday on Podcast One. Hear me take on taboo topics and unfiltered advice. I'll also be dishing with some amazing celebrities. Oh, and did I mention there'll be wine? So grab a glass and join me every Tuesday on PodcastOne.com, the new Podcast One app, or subscribe on Apple Podcasts. of cards season five chapter 65 is over but we're just getting started here on the house of cards post show recap and now here's the two guys who say no it's my turn it's my turn now to talk about this i'm rob sister and here is zach brooks zach how are you we did it another season in the can another All season right. is in the can Frank Underwood could also be in the can along with Doug Stamper if they don't get a pardon pretty soon yeah, I think we're going to just go right into like a House of House of Cards Oz or something like that. Maybe. You know, House of Oz. Yeah. Maybe. Uh, Zach, a lot to unpack from the season five finale uh, and some uh, major headlines along the way. I guess starting with the big reveal of the sort of like twist the whole season on its head that Frank Underwood planned basically everything that happened since in the second half of the season. Yeah, ever since we've been saying, hey, this show's getting really good. You know, we said right around the time of uh, that Frank Underwood visited Elysian Fields, we said, you know, the season got much better. It was it was very plotting for a while. And now uh, now it's really kicked up into gear. And that's because Frank Underwood was behind it the whole time. Now, look, everything that happened uh, from Chapter 58 on was all my master plan. Uh, everything that uh, that came up, uh, including when uh, Mark Usher told me to episodes ago that uh there was a thing with uh with romero and uh some girl from his college uh that uh, i uh, knew that there was something that mark usher had on him and he was eventually going to tell us and that was going to get romero to shut down the investigation and i just saw 500 moves ahead of every single person Frank Underwood always has a plan. And that's what I've been saying all season. I said, Frank's got a plan. He's he's not going into this blind. Um, and it was kind of fun for us, I think, because most people probably watched the last episode, the second to last episode, and saw Frank Underwood say that he was resigning and then just jumped right into the finale without any time to, you know, really think about it. Maybe they paused and listened to our podcast, listened to us talk about it. But the average person probably just jumped right into the finale. And I, I don't know about you, but I got to wait and think about what was going to happen for about three days before I watched the finale. Okay, um, And it, it was, you know, it was like I was excited to see what's he, what is he going to get out of this. It was fun to build that anticipation, which you, know, you don't get with Netflix shows because you can just you know, binge right onto the next one. Okay. Well, also in addition to that reveal, also uh, Leanne ends up not making it. Uh, presumably, uh, we also have Claire Underwood being sworn in as uh, the first woman president of the United States. Or actually, she what is, uh, she already was the first woman president of the United States, uh, but she's back to being president. I think that um, Claire Underwood might have been president uh, this season more episodes than Frank Underwood. Yeah, I wonder, and maybe that's intentional. Maybe it was like 50-50. Yeah, it might have been. And so uh, a lot to break down, but uh, we have to start, with, and we'll take your uh, a lot of your questions that we got as well at the end. Uh, I have to start with Frank and coming clean about how he had this plan the whole time and he didn't tell Claire about it. I got to say, I enjoyed the season we talked about it in the last podcast how I feel like the second half of the season was really great, better than the first half of the season. This does not sit right with me in terms of Frank Underwood. I planned everything. Yeah, when I first watched the episode, I was not really loving it. I just, you know, for a lot of reasons, I was um, not that happy with the finale, um, which I'm sure we'll get into those reasons during this podcast. But I rewatched it again right before we jumped off the right before we jumped on the phone. Um, and, you know, it, it works a little bit better. I don't think we're intended to think that Frank Underwood had every single move and every single moment planned out. I think he had the general idea of how things would fall into place. And really, as he said, this was about controlled chaos. This was about him being in front of any of the downfall that was going to happen and, and really taking a chance to 
to get away from people that are always going to be coming after him. I think throughout the season, he realized that when you're sitting on that throne, when you're the president, you always have enemies and you always have people that are trying to take you down and get your power. And so he can be in a more powerful position as a figurehead behind the scenes. So chapter 60 is when Frank goes to the retreat. And uh, from that point on, that's where Frank ultimately says that he had everything planned out. So what was his ultimate plan? That he knew Romero was going to restart these hearings? Because that seems like that that's a surprise that comes up in, uh, I believe, chapter 61. Yeah, I think that was a surprise. I don't think he was planning on that. And just like you referenced, he didn't know that you know, what he was going to have on Romero. He didn't know that he was going to have this Rochelle Rochelle story on Mm -hmm. Romero, but he, you know, he knows that everybody has skeletons in their closet. Everybody's a secret and that he was going to one way or the other, find out what Romero's secret is. And that was how, you know, if something like this came up, he can use that kind of leverage against people. Um, you know, I don't think that he knew that Doug would ultimately be the fall guy for the Zoe Barnes thing. Although, you know, he did have more control over that because he was leaking poor that Doug. information to Hammerschmidt. Yeah, poor Doug. Doug, you know, um, he's a very loyal person and mm-hmm. does not get rewarded for his loyalty very often. So around the time that Frank Underwood goes to this retreat, he ends up winning the reelection or winning the election. And then he ends up being sworn in as the president uh, again and they have the party. And it's really around this time that he has everything figured out of I need to engineer my own downfall to make Claire the president and that I can get out and we'll have more power because I'm going to be able to control the lobbyists, control the money. Yeah, I mean, control the control lobbyists have people that work for him within the administration, you know, be controlling Jane Davis and Mark Usher. It's not a surprise that Usher and Davis come on board right around this time, um, you know, probably thanks to Frank from the beginning to them. And, and I do think the one thing I really like about this is that, you know, most seasons of House of Cards, I don't feel the need to rewatch them. Um, this, I think, you know, at least the second half of the season, it would be interesting to go back and rewatch the Elysian Fields episode and watch those next couple and really see if you can pinpoint areas where Frank Underwood had his hands uh, in the cookie jar behind the scenes. Well, yeah, I would love to know that because I don't think it's going to hold up. I feel like that there's so many things that Frank seems blindsided by and surprised by. And even to us, including, you know, when he is saying, in the last episode, where is my wife? If she was your wife, uh, wouldn't you be concerned about where she is right now? And that's the person that he's trying to engineer this plan to put her into the White House. There's so many times when him and Claire don't see eye to eye, and he's like, now trust me, Claire, I've got this whole thing figured out. I'm a hundred moves ahead of everybody, so just believe me when I'm telling you this. And there's a bunch of times where Claire is giving him the right advice and he's going the wrong way yeah i mean go back to garrett walker go back to they tell him don't go talk to garrett walker he's not going to testify against you. he's like i need to go talk to garrett walker uh he goes in there and then garrett walker for whatever reason reverses course and then ends up giving up a bunch of information about frank underwood that was part of it i mean that that did did frank underwood go see garrett walker intentionally to try to make him end up giving this damning testimony did frank underwood wanted that to happen i think there's definitely an argument for that it you know i mean it does explain why frank would do something so risky you know when he he thinks he can get off the hook with this because he wants to give put himself in a position that he's controlling. He knows that, you know, if there are people who are coming after him, that if he can be the one who's controlling the people coming after him, even though they think that they have this evidence on him, they think they have this testimony on him. But really, Frank wanted this testimony to come out because he, you know, his his trust was with Claire, that Claire was in on this plan um, that she didn't know about, but that she would be in on this plan. And, you know, no matter what came out of, about him, you know, what he was behind with the Garrett Walker, um, China and Tusk incident that Claire would, Claire would pardon him. And, you know, this, he would just be able to work behind the scenes as this, um, as this master strategist that okay. nobody knew existed. 
Let's go back to Kathy Durant. And we had, I think it was two episodes ago, there was a whole big thing about where's the leak? Who is the leak? Is it Kathy Durant? And Frank, who now we know knew Kathy Durant wasn't the leak, but berated her in a way as if that she, to make her think that he's getting suspicious, she might be the leak, forcing her to go back to Romero to testify. And then at the start of the last episode, Frank is so upset with Kathy Durant that he pushes her down the stairs so she does not do the thing that his actions ended up speeding up the clock to make her do. So if it just was, I need to take Kathy Durant off the board, she knows too much, that's one thing. But why put it out there that, oh, he thinks I'm the leak. I better go testify. I'm going to go tell Romero I'm going to testify and then push her down the stairs so she doesn't testify. Yeah, um, there is definitely kind of a big hole in that boat. Uh, You know, I think that this was kind of just a convenient way to get her out of the way for him. Um, probably not the, you know, the safest idea in, in terms of just like when there's cameras and surveillance all throughout the white house that he's just going to push Kathy Durant down the stairs. Um, but you know, maybe there was some anger with her and this was just him getting revenge. He is, you know, taking his revenge out on people and closing these loops in more violent ways as we see with Leanne in this episode. Um, you know, he's resorting to, to murder or attempted murder. Um, much easier than the old Frank Underwood would have. Okay. Um, you know, I think he, you know, I, there might be a lot of holes as you go through, mm-hmm. um, but I just think he didn't have every single road on this map plotted out, but he had the route that he wanted to get there and what what landmarks he wanted to hit on the way. You know, and this is kind of Frank's road trip through this season. And we're seeing, you know, he knew he wanted to hit the, you know, testifying so that he could be in a position where he'd give this speech and resign. Um, he knew he was going to do that. Um, or, you know, maybe there's an argument that Frank Underwood is completely full of it and he didn't know any of this and he's just surviving. He's doing whatever he can to survive and he's scrambling and these moves that he's doing while he claims that, yeah, I had this master plan all along. Really. He's just kind of looking at his next step. But is he lying to us at that point? Cause he's talking about how that, Oh, he loves power maybe more than Claire. And that's why he's doing what he's doing. Oh, I think that's true. I think, you know, but I, he's lying to us one way or the other, mm-hmm. either he's lying to us throughout the season when he's telling us things and he's like, Oh, I think she's the leak. And you know, some of the stuff that he tells the audience, you know, I'd have to go back and look at his fourth wall breaks throughout the season, or he's lying to us about how, you know, this was my plan all along. And, um, I, you know, I knew this was going to happen. So in, in one way or the other, he's lying to us and putting on a front for us, um, which, you know, Claire Underwood says she doesn't trust us. So, you know, there, there is, they're in, they're introducing their interactions with the audience in a much more unique way. I think at the end of this season than we've seen throughout this show. Zach, also to me, I feel like that this is a departure in Frank Underwood's character to suddenly say, no, Claire, there is a higher power than being the president. You want to be the person who's in control of the White House. That's where the real power is. Because while, yes, Frank Underwood has always been obsessed with power, hasn't he also been obsessed with legacy and what kind of president am I going to be? How am I going to be remembered? And they don't have children. Their legacy was going to be their children. Is that legacy really just tied into Claire Underwood's presidency at this point? That the real people that are the uh, real powers that be, say, in our real lives, that are really pulling the strings in politics and government, I mean, that's what Frank, I mean, uh, are are those people written about in history books? Would you say that those people have legacy? I mean, they have great wealth and certainly power, but that's what all of this is leading to for Frank Underwood? Yeah, I do think it's a departure from what we've talked a lot about, about legacy being what's so important to them. 
Like he has you no know, vision. Both, both Frank it's, and Claire. It's not like he has, you know, this one platform that he wants to uh, make sure that, you know, such and such thing happens where he has a platform. He doesn't care about anything. Why would this be better for him other than it was sort of like, hey, this is a no-win situation, Claire. I figured out the only way out. The, the idea of this is where the real power is. I meant to do all this also just rings false for me with Frank Underwood. Well, I think, you know, kind of two things came to mind as you're talking about that. And number one is that it might just be that Frank Underwood, you know, they always say sometimes that people aren't in love with a person. They're in love with the idea of being in love and they're always interested in the chase. So, you know, maybe with Frank Underwood, he finally got what he wanted. He got to be president. He was elected in as president. But what he really wants is the chase for power. And now he doesn't have any power he can chase. So he, in his mind, decides that, oh, no, the power I'm actually more interested in is this power that I don't have, this behind the scenes power. And then if he gets that behind the scenes power, it's, you know, oh, I'm actually interested in international power or some, you know, some other kind of of power that he can have over people. And he's just interested in the chase and he's in love with the chase of something new, some new bright, shiny object that he can get. Always trying to reach the next part of the ladder. I mean, was it nine episodes again that we got the Underwood 2016, Underwood 2020, Underwood 2024, Underwood 2028? Uh, I mean, now it's like, oh, you know what? Presidency is overrated. Uh, there's a real there's a real power that I want to go for. Well, we got the answer to that, though. I, that's what I actually really liked about this episode is we found out what they meant by that. What Frank meant by Underwood, you know, 2024, or Underwood 2028 is not the Underwoods being the figureheads for all of these years, but the Underwoods having influence in the White House and power in the White House from an outside perspective for each of these years and putting themselves in a position where they aren't limited by term limits and they aren't limited by congressional oversight committees anymore. They're they're limited by nothing because their power is is more behind the scenes, more behind the curtain. Mm hmm. Okay. Uh, I guess we'll agree to disagree on that. I just don't think that that's ever been something that they stated for these characters that they just uh, like, uh, not that they want to necessarily be the puppet masters, that they wanted themselves to be the people that were out in front and controlling everything and also having this legacy behind them. Whereas uh, this much more behind the scene type role, this Tusk type role, I, I don't think that this was ever anything that Frank Underwood seemed to admire in the past. Yeah, it, he might not have in the past, but you know, to be you know to be frank on this is yeah. that well, how Frank dare Underwood. You? I know, I, I'm just going to put myself as Frank real quick. I'm going to be frank on this one. Uh, frank Underwood's legacy now is a president who served as president for like three weeks mm -hmm. and then resigned because of all this. And they sound like Eric. Him. Yeah. And yeah, so that's his legacy. He's cemented himself in the history books. Yeah, exactly. Like what Eric said, he's made history no matter what. And that's his legacy. And there's probably not any more legacy that's well, coming. Do you remember what he said to Eric when Eric said that? He did not <laughs> say like, uh, you know what, Eric, you're right. Uh, you're full of great ideas, Eric. I have to say every <laughs> single thing you uh, run past me, I am 100 percent on board with. He got mad. Well, maybe, you know, may, you know, sometimes you hear something you don't want to hear and you get mad and then you start thinking about it. And you're like, oh, maybe that makes a little bit more sense. Yeah. Let's just go back to that weekend uh, when he was at the retreat. I mean, did you see like the light? He said, I was at that retreat and it was as if a light bulb went off. And then I knew. I mean, I didn't see that in that episode. Did you feel like that there was a moment? Was it when he fell down in the mud and, and left his phone there? Was it when he was talking about, uh, I just need a pile of dirt. Uh, here's to a pile of dirt. Was it when uh, the Mark Zuckerberg guy was crying? When did, when did Frank uh, all of a sudden, uh, Eureka. I figured everything out. Here's how the rest of the season is going to go. I don't know when his uh, his eureka moment was. Well, you know, we did think at the time that him falling into the mud was a very weird. Uh, it was a very weird way it was shot. And like mm -hmm. he left the phone there and you, know, and you thought, oh, somebody's going to find his phone and they're going to they're going to get all of his information. If I had to guess, I would say it is when the Mark Zuckerberg type guy gives him that information because he realizes this guy who's just this, you know, this this guy who created um, Polyhop. 
has all this power over the election. Not only, you know, the power to help Conway as he was, but also the power to hand Frank one piece of information and Frank wins the election. Yeah. Was it when they talked about how Tusk wants his body to be frozen? <laughs> oh, that, you know, he's like, that can be my legacy. I'll freeze my body for 200 years and, well, and come out. Yeah, and, they can know, put, put your consciousness into a computer. And that's uh, if I could be running the computer, then I could be in control of Tusk and all of the consciousness. Yeah, it's a, you know, he wants his, his uh, consciousness in some dirt, I would think, more yeah. than a computer. All right, well, let's talk about some of the other major things uh, from the episode and not get uh, too stuck in the mud uh, like Frank Underwood was that time. Like uh, his Blackberry. Leanne is dead. Uh, you're on board with that, Leanne's dead? I am, um, although, you know, we didn't see the body, but I, I don't think there's any way she survived. Frank Underwood said to us, uh, sometimes you don't need to see the end of the movie to know how it's going to work out, which I did think was an interesting meta line, considering that there has not been a season six renewal of House of Cards, and this episode may actually be the series finale. I just can't see this being the series finale. There's just too much left unopened. Um, I don't think we need a lot more of this show. I think really like one more season could close the book on this and it would be satisfying even if they came back and just did like a movie or like a four episode run. Mm -hmm. Um, but this can't, I mean, that was one of the things I really want to talk about is like, this can't be the end of the series. There's just too much left unopened, and we're finally set up for this epic Frank versus Claire showdown that we've been talking about. Okay. Well, let me, uh, bring in some of the questions. Uh, this is a question from Mar, uh, that we got. Uh, she said, uh, Hey, Robin, Zach, thanks again for all your hard work recapping the house of cards season. I have two questions for you guys with no confirmation of a sixth season do you feel like the season five finale works as a satisfying series finale in the last scene with claire standing behind the desk did a part of you wish that she would do the double tap that frank did when he became president at the end of season two it would have been so badass uh cheers from mar i'll go the opposite direction again and i will say that i i would say that if this was the final episode of house of cards I could live with that. It's a little Sopranos ending in terms of uh, there is some ambiguity there. But I would say that I would interpret from this being the final episode that Claire becomes the president. She does not pardon Frank Underwood. And Frank Underwood ends up going to jail. And we see Claire serving out her t or she ends up you know, becoming president and, and probably is a pretty good president. I mean, she does seem right now like she would be a good president. You know, I just wish that if this was the end that – we would have gotten a little bit more confirmation on, you know, what's going to happen with Frank. And, you know, even if Frank doesn't get pardoned, I think that he had, you know, he has, Frank always finds a way out of this. So if he doesn't get pardoned, I'd like to see how he would handle that and how he would get himself out of that situation. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I, I, you know, actually was happy last season if that, you know, I thought that could have been the end of the show. Um, you know, I thought that had more closure than this does. Really? With the Ico and the beheading? You felt like that, that was more of uh, a, a conclusive ending? Yeah, I just think, I mean, you know, we still had the election up in the air. So, you know, we, it was inconclusive with that. Um, and maybe they're never going to end these these seasons with, you know, a really conclusive ending. But, um, you know, I just think we're finally like we had Claire and Frank on the same side on the last one. They both looked at the camera. They both acknowledged the fourth. You know, they both broke the fourth wall. And that feels like a stronger ending than these two characters we've seen working together uh, for the entire series. Pretty much now being in opposition and ready. You know, this is like we've got our like, you know, Walter White and Gus Fring. Like we are ready for this face off. And, you know, if we're deprived of that. That's a real shame. Yeah, I do think that we, no matter what, I, I think even if it's only like some sort of like a, uh, you know, two hour movie or six episode, you know, half season, I do think that we're going to come back and get some closure on this. But if I had to pick one of those two seasons to end it on, I feel like that this is the one where we got to see Frank Underwood, you know, have this rise, ultimately have this fall and uh, probably ends up to some degree getting what's coming to him because of this impeachment process that's going to be going on and these charges that are going to be put against him. And he ultimately does not get that pardon from Claire, which ends up uh, leaving him in a lot of hot water. Yeah, definitely. Um, and I don't know as, you know, too much about the production uh, process for this show, but I just feel like there's, 
probably, you know, the, the producers probably have an idea if they're coming back or not, because they really left quite a bit of things unanswered um, and teased a lot out for the next season, which I really liked. I like the way they set up next season and and I have a, a good idea of, of some things that we'll probably see. So I'm hoping they did that for a reason and we're going to um, we're going to get more of that. I mean, did know. they end Sense8 with a finale or was that just sort of uh, left open ended? I just think with these I couldn't tell you Netflix shows, <laughs> you know, that that, that uh, Netflix, I do think, is walking back some of the original production. This has been a flagship show for them really since they started doing original series. Uh, to let it go out in sort of unceremonious fashion would probably be a bad look, but I don't know what the numbers are. I mean, only Netflix would be able to uh, know what the ratings are. Yeah. Okay. Um, you know, I, I do hope that we get more. Um, you know, I don't think we need I think we will. I, th- I don't think this is it. I, I don't think this is yeah. it. But if it, if it had to be, uh, I could live with it being uh, the end of the line. But uh, so just going back to Leanne, speaking of the end of the line. So <laughs> she ends up being uh, chased off the road. And so who do we really uh, put that at the feet of? Is that a Frank Underwood call? Is that a Jane call? Uh, I think that's a Jane Davis call. Um, you know, I think Frank was in on it, but I think Jane and Frank even said that she's done her part. Um, but you know, Jane Davis knows that this is coming. Uh, there's even the scene where it's Leanne and Jane Davis and Jane Davis is asking Leanne for the three questions to the McAllen, uh, secret hacker, uh, Mm -hmm you know, website. And when Leanne gives her, uh, the last answer to that question, Jane Davis says something along the lines of like, that's too bad. She says, what did you leave in the hotel room? And, uh, and Leanne says a bracelet yeah. and Jane Davis says, that's too bad. Mm-hmm. And that line was weird to me on the first watch. I was like, why did she say that's too bad? Like, was she expecting, you know, something else? Or was she like, Oh, that sucks. You lost your bracelet. But then on the rewatch, I realize it's because Jane Davis knows that by giving that piece of information, Leanne has just signed her death certificate. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, that's certainly possible. I interpreted it more as the because uh, you know, Jane Davis is such a wacky character that I, I thought she was just saying like, oh, that sucks. You left your bracelet in the hotel room. But maybe that that could be that she knew that that was going to be the end of Leanne. Can you tell me that? Uh, and I want to get into, uh, you know, which side is Jane Davis on? Jane Davis is on the phone with Frank at one point in the episode. She's going like into some sort of a chamber. I thought we were going into like some sort of like science fiction type scene where she was entering like a transporter or another dom- dimension. What was that room that Jane Davis was in? I think that was the machine to see where everybody went that uh, departed. Oh, is, is that, that what, she that <laughs> what she was doing? Is that what she was doing? Yeah, she's going into her Nora Durst. Yeah. Um, I, I don't I think it might be like a like a meditation thing or like a spa. Uh, I, I don't know what the hell that was. That was that's something they need to answer in the next season is what room? What is the Jane Davis room? Yeah, maybe it's some sort of like a daylight type thing where people like go in there to get like sunlight. And we, we had at one point where she was uh, talked about how. Uh, she needed to, she didn't like being uh, uh, underground. I actually did a Google search for daylight therapy and it looks like, uh, I see a picture of something that looks uh, very similar to that called uh, light therapy. Uh, uses a light alcove to expose individuals to light that mimics natural sunlight. Yeah, so she has like seasonal affective disorder. Maybe, maybe. So uh, maybe that's the thing. Uh, yeah, sad. Uh, yeah, sad. Okay. Whose side is Jane Davis on? Uh, we see her talking with Claire Underwood about uh, even potentially killing Frank Underwood. We see her talking with Frank Underwood about all these moves she's making behind Claire's back. She really is the one person in the middle. Uh, ultimately, who's is she team Claire or team Frank or team neither? Uh, I think I would say team neither if I had to pick. Uh, maybe, you know, team Petrov or team other country leader. Um, that would be the most likely to me because she does talk to Claire and makes, you know, an allusion to killing Frank, although she's working with Frank at the same time and she's communicating with Frank about the Leanne thing and um, getting the McAllen information. You know, my one thought is that they did have some agreement that they reached at the end of the last episode, uh, Jane Davis and Frank, and we didn't see what that agreement was 
So maybe it was, you know, I will resign if you get the McAllen information from Leanne. And it was like kind of they just had like a short term alliance to take care of those couple things. Mm-hmm. Um, I, you know, that's it's hard to say exactly, you know, without them explicitly referencing what that agreement was. Yeah. And I did like when she talked about, you know, Frank's liver could go at any moment. Uh, and I forget what the name of the stuff she was that uh, she gave Claire. But she's like, yeah, you know, that could be lethal in high doses. Yeah, I, I wasn't sure exactly what the name of it was. I wrote down Josh Senium, but mm-hmm. I don't know. Like, that was just like a phonetic spelling of what it sounded like she said. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I thought that that was uh, pretty funny that uh, she's thinking along those lines. And, you know, we also saw Frank uh, towards the end of the episode. If she doesn't pardon me, I'll kill her. Yeah, good good uh, tease for next season. You know, good tease that we're getting Frank versus Claire. I think that's definitely where this is headed. Again, um, though... I would say that probably a better chance of Claire Underwood pardoning Frank Underwood than Mark Usher pardoning Frank Underwood. Well, how would Mark Usher pardon Frank Underwood, like as vice president? Well, then, uh, well, if you uh, the president something happens to them, then the vice president becomes the president. Oh, uh, yeah, I think it was. I, I felt like that was more of just a revenge statement. Mm-hmm. Like if she doesn't, if she doesn't pardon me, I'll kill her out of revenge. You know, she has the power that um, you know that. Frank feels like she stole from him. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, even though he gave it to her, he gave it to her thinking that she was taking it to be his partner in this. And um, that does not seem to be the case. Yeah. Now, for Claire Underwood becoming the president, uh, let me bring in another one of these questions. And this is from a great friend of the show, Alex Wilpon. She writes in to say that Claire was my number one suspect since the leak story began. I really thought it was her plan, and she was pulling the strings behind Frank's back. Given that she ascends to the presidency by the end of the season, don't you think that the narrative would have been so much better if it was her plan and not Frank's? Instead of coming off like a manipulative genius uh, that she is, Claire still seems a little weak, and her power seems more accidental than taken. Unrelated, it's important to note that all of Frank's known sexy time partners are dead besides Claire. Uh, Thanks, guys, from Alex. Now, okay, all right, let me take the second thing first. That the guy who jumped over the fence, can we confirm, was that Eric at the end of the episode? Yep. Yeah, that was Eric Rollins. Because I did not catch that the first time through, that that was Eric. Yeah, real fancy fencer to that guy. Yeah, he was. All right. Second part of this, do you, would this have worked better if it was all coming out that Claire was the leak? She set the wheels in motion. Once she became the vice president, she needed to get back to being the president. It would be interesting. I think it would make Claire look much more powerful because right now, yeah, she does look like, you know, she was kind of given this power by Frank, which Frank says at the beginning of the episode um, in a pretty cutting remark to her that you know he gave her the power. But ultimately, I still feel like the story of House of Cards is the story of Frank Underwood's rise and fall. So having Frank Underwood be in control of this, um, it, it does work for me for this story. You know, and I I think, you know, we're seeing that Frank Underwood is in one way or the other controlling the chaos. And that's what he wants to do. And, you know, as we're talking more about it, maybe this wasn't as plotted out as he makes it seem. And he's just, you know, he it's kind of like you see somebody who's doing something very panicky, but they keep moving along the correct way. And he's he's panicking and he's doing different things uh, to try to to try to save his face, to try to save his power. And as he's doing that, you know, at the end, he's like, oh, see, this was all you know, this was all part of my master plan. And maybe it was more like if you looked at the individual parts, you'd see how how he really zigged and zagged when he could have gone a different direction, gone straight. I have to say, I am all in on the Alex theory of that if this was Claire Underwood, I think this would almost be like a perfect season of television because that there are so many things just going back to she got to be the acting president. She got the nuclear codes. We saw her standing there in her pajamas that one night looking at everything. It's the first time that she was really calling the shots. There's all these times when she's the one who's wearing white. She's the person who always has the right opinion. Frank Underwood is always going in the wrong direction here in this season, that her instincts are always good. She then is able to sort of uh, behind Frank's back, go around and start these leaks, getting rid of the two people in this operation that she does not trust in Doug and ultimately 
in Frank, if she was the person leaking all this stuff to Hammerschmidt, it would also explain that scene where we saw her breaking the fourth wall to us and saying, like, I know you're there the whole time, but I'm unclear about your intentions. And that's why she's ultimately not sharing this information with us and blindsiding not just us, but also Frank. She's having these conversations with Jane Davis along the way about potentially doing something like that. But ultimately... It's like, no, you know, she always had Frank's best interest in mind. You know, it does. It does tell a really good, complete story. She has the motive. Yeah. And, yeah. you know, that is definitely a way they could have done it. Um, I just think that, you know, and, I, and I've been saying for a while, oh, Frank's got a plan. He knows what he's doing. That's just because that's what this show is. This show is the Frank Underwood story that he, you know, he is able to figure out how to get power and get himself out of these tricky situations that you have no idea how he's going to get himself out of them. Mm hmm. I wonder so. if that was uh, an idea that was on the table and they ultimately uh, switched it to Frank Underwood uh, calling the shots at some point for whatever reason, because it feels like it makes too much sense that it could have been Claire Underwood doing these things. I mean, could it be that Claire Underwood doing these things they would have used if they were confident this was going to be the last episode? Because that feels much more like a series finale to me. Mm-hmm. So you feel like that they felt that this was going to go on and they needed a story to tell in season six? Yeah, either that or they wanted to, for, you know, they kind of wanted to force Netflix's hand by being like, hey, we have all this stuff wide open still. Uh, we can't go, you know, you guys can't take us off the air. We got lots of open questions. But if they wrap it up, I and mean, that really wraps things up in a nice bow where Frank's ultimate downfall is Claire Underwood. She is sort she ascends to the power. She looks at the camera and, and she says, My turn, and that's the end of the show. Yeah. That that works really well as the end of the show. Okay, let's talk through what's going on with Doug. Uh we saw him turning himself in and trying to get some sort of a fast track to uh get in and out of uh, legal custody. At some point a pardon is supposed to be coming his way. Where do you think this is going for Doug? Well, right now Doug is just under house arrest. Mm-hmm. Uh he can't go anywhere. And he can have people come to him and the person who's supposed to come visit him, another, you know, another brunette that Doug is romantically interested in, uh, just totally bailed on him. She flaked. Mm -hmm. So, um, they call that he got ghosted. And and in this case, literally, he literally is ghosted now by Leanne. (laughs) Oh man. That's the worst kind of ghosting when it's a literal ghosting. It's a literal ghosting. (laughs) (laughs) Um, so, you know, I, I mean, I don't think things are looking good for Doug. I don't know why um, he just keeps taking the blame. I guess, you know, he's this is himself. You know, I talked about a little bit like he's taking his penance for what happened with Rachel. Um, You know, he's he's admitting that he did it um, and, and is expecting the pardon. But, you know, do we see Doug and Frank as like jail cell buddies at the beginning of the next season? Well, do you think that Doug, who we saw in the dark place listening to the audiobooks like when Rachel used to read to him, I'm not sure if that was a tale of two cities that uh, he was listening to on the audiobook, could Doug finding out that Leanne was the loose end that needed to be taken out when he realizes that she is not answering her phone, that there's no coincidence there, did Frank murder Leanne and then is that going to upset Doug? I feel like if he does figure out that Leanne was murdered, I don't think he's going to pin it on Frank. I think he's going to think that this was Claire or this was, um, you know, this was Jane Davis. I feel like he's so loyal to Frank. He's blindly loyal to Frank. And this isn't going to get him to turn on him. This isn't the last straw. No, I don't don't think this is the the last straw for Doug, Um, you know, but he's going to have a lot of time to think about this and. Um, I hope he's got a lot of audiobooks. I don't, you know, I'm, I don't know if that was a tale of two cities. I, I had that down in my notes. I wondered if it was, it sounded like, like a motivational, mm-hmm. you know, like believe in yourself, like a Tony Robbins or something. But, uh, yeah. you know, I, I don't know. I don't know if that, uh, you know, what he was listening to. If it was a tale of two cities, I wish they made it a little bit more clear. Okay. What about with Claire taking the country to war over uh, these gas attacks in Syria. We see Jane Davis uh, that she is pushing to do it. I felt like it was weird that Frank uh, wanted her to announce that she was pardoning Frank uh, as she was announcing that she was going to be uh, sending troops into Syria. That feels like a weird sort of pivot to go from one thing to the next. 
but we ultimately do see Claire Underwood uh, taking the country to war. Yeah, it's a nice bookend to the season because Frank Underwood at the beginning of the season is trying to send the country to war um, and the war finally happens that Frank has been talking about. Um, and I think, you know, I did also think that it was kind of weird that they were expecting that the pardon would be announced at this speech about um, about getting 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 ICO and going to war. But I think, you know, the way Claire was delivering the speech, she says, you know, Frank wanted to go to war months ago and Congress failed him. You know, maybe she was going to say, you know, Frank was right. And that's how she was going to tie it into Frank uh, being pardoned. But, you know, weird timing. I think all of this is also happening like her first night as president. Mm-hmm. Now, I don't think it's quite her first night, but certainly in the uh, first couple of days. I thought that that speech, though, was very on the nose when she was talking about the uh, leader of Syria. And I'm not sure who that is in the House of Cards universe. But she talks about the, a person who is willing to do harm to his own people just so that he can remain in power that is uh not the type of person uh that should stay in power uh you know you really could have uh, seen that she was talking about frank underwood there oh definitely i mean that was my first note on this like as she starts talking you know the more she gets down the speech you realize oh she's not talking about um you know and i wasn't sure if she was talking about petrov if you know it wasn't clear to me if if she was declaring war against russia or declaring war against syria um because you know it did seem like from what jane davis said you know russia blamed ico for these missiles and Jane Davis said, you know, pretty much, no, it was Russia who did these. So um, and, and they did it to justify airstrikes in Syria. So I, it was unclear who Claire was declaring war against. And I feel like if you declare war, you should, probably should say who you're declaring war against. Mm-hmm. So we'll see how big of a distraction that is from all of the palace intrigue surrounding the Underwood administration. Also, Seth is out. Uh, Sean Jeffries, uh, what a meteoric rise from uh, being hired last week to being the new White House press secretary. Uh, is Would you say, is he in good shape, Sean Jeffries? Yeah, I, uh, I think... You know, he he got his way into the White House, as he told Hammerschmidt, he said, you know, I wanted to get my way in, not be looking from the outside. Um, and, I, and I wrote down this is kind of like the new Avengers that we've got here. We've got Seth is out. Doug is out. Leanne is out. We've got a, kind of a whole new administration coming in to lead this White House now. Um, and we're going to see even more of that, I would think, next season as well. Going to push the reset button. Yeah, exactly. OK. What about Hammerschmidt, where he feels like something isn't right? It feels like uh, that nobody is caring about his stories. He feels like that this isn't adding up with Doug, but nobody is hearing him out. Yeah, you know, I was kind of confused on what was going on with Hammerschmidt during this episode. We saw the scene where he's kind of in the editorial meeting with the Washington Herald. Um, and, and they're asking him, well, what about this? You know, what about this information? He's like, I, I just don't know. I want to wait on it. And they said to him, they said, you've been, you've been working on this for two years. You've been trying to nail this administration for two years and you got it. Where's this information? Um, so I don't know if it's kind of similar to what I said about Frank is Hammerschmidt really more interested in the chase and, and trying to solve these these uh, crimes and, and these conspiracies going on in the White House than he is about actually reaching the conclusion and delivering that information. And Doug was so sketchy uh, during his conversation with Hammerschmidt, where Hammerschmidt wants to know, uh, did Frank Underwood kill Zoe Barnes? Absolutely not. Did you kill Zoe Barnes? Uh, no comment on that. What? Who said no comment? <laughs> My lawyers told me. My I lawyers can't, told me I don't don't anything. admit that. You, what? Yeah. That, you, what? I mean, but he has admitted to killing Zoe Barnes. You know, he's admitted it with. You know, he said it when he was with his lawyers. So it's it's kind of okay, weird. But, I, but like- I mean, in the paper, uh, you know, he's gonna say no comment. <laughs> Yeah, it's complicated. It's complicated. It's not just a a yes or no answer. Right. And I'm sure, you know, Doug, you know, if we went back and looked at at everything with Zoe Barnes, yeah, maybe maybe Doug did have some level of like indirect responsibility to Zoe Barnes getting killed. Maybe that's why Tom Hammerschmidt feels like something is up. He's like, uh, in my 40 years of being a reporter, 
nobody has ever told me no comment when I asked, did you kill that person? <laughs> like that's never been said before. That's not a thing. Yeah. That might, that might raise a couple red flags for sure. Certainly. Uh, yeah. And, but then, you know, then Hammerschmidt later on in the episode when he meets with Doug and they're watching the footage, um, you know, Hammerschmidt is one of the people who can visit the, like the, the Doug temple where, you know, Doug can't leave his Doug house, but, um, you know, he comes and visits him and he says, what do you think happened? And Hammerschmidt says that Zoe Barnes was investigating Rachel and some connection to Frank. And, mm, you know, really. Doug was in love with Rachel and that's why Doug killed her. No, Hammerschmidt's yeah. way off. His his theory was way off on that. He's way off. It's season five. It's episode 65, Hammerschmidt. If you're not closer than uh, where you are right now, you're never getting this. Yeah, it's like all all of that work, seasons of you investigating this and looking at cell phones and talking to people's parents and talking to landlords. And this and this this theory, you know, it it, it makes sense on the surface, but it's way off. Yeah. It's like Samsonite, you're way off. Okay. All right. Uh, uh anything else you want to touch on before I get back to some of these questions? Um, you know, we did have a little bit of fallout from Yates. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we had we had Claire asking Usher about Yates. Usher doesn't seem too happy that he had to dispose of the body. No, he uh, was not happy about that. No. And, you know, throughout the episode, Claire's asking about, you know, did you close his eyes? You know, like weird questions. Weird questions. Um, but like she's she, you know. Gates was a weird guy, so he deserves weird questions. Um, well, on that subject, uh, let me bring in uh, a question from Spencer Y, who all season long sent us some uh, really great questions. He asks us about the Mark Usher alliance uh, with Frank, and he wants to know, with Usher not pleased about cleaning up after Claire, I feel like Yates's corpse with Claire's DNA on it may resurface the following season if Claire strays too far beyond Frank's control or if Claire becomes an unmanageable threat to him. With Frank dropping the line to Claire about her watching her new vice president very carefully, actually what Frank said was uh, whoever Mark picks to be the new vice president, that's who you need to watch out for. Uh, Even he did not see it being Mark himself. Uh, Mark then uh, offering him to be the vice president, justifying the benefits of being the VP. Are we to believe that Frank is setting Mark up for failure? Is Frank's alliance with Usher not as strong as we think it is, despite the fact that Mark basically pledged his full allegiance to Frank because he has some sort of chauvinistic-based disdain for Claire? Well, I uh, feel like that Mark Usher is more loyal to Claire than to Frank. But the interesting line, I thought, between Frank and Usher was that Frank asked Mark Usher about, did you end up moving the body for Claire? And Mark Usher says something very interesting. He didn't say... Oh, yeah, we got rid of it. We buried it. Uh, you'll never see it again. He says, we've got it on ice. Yeah, they iced it. They iced Getting it. Iced. Getting iced. Yeah. Uh, yeah, no, I think that's, I mean, there were a lot of, and I think the most interesting um, quotes in this episode were related to Yates. Mm-hmm. And we do have that, you know, we do have that, you know, he's got the body on ice. So that's one thing to, to keep tracking. We have, you know, at the end of the episode, we had the tour guide who was asking, uh, about Yates and saying, I think she was talking to Sean Jeffrey. She said, um, you know, I've been texting him and he's, he's ghosted me. I mean, everybody's ghosting everybody. He's literally this, ghosting. Yeah. Yeah. Lots of, lots of people literally ghosting. <laughs> um, and then we had Mark Usher when he brings Claire, you know, the idea of him being the vice president and he drops a line about Yates to her. And so I think he was in that he was threatening Claire basically saying like, make me vice president or this is getting out there. Yeah. Or uh, we're getting a, a Yatesburg uh, out on uh, <laughs> display pretty soon. Yatesgate? <laughs> Yatesgate. Uh, yeah, Iced Yates is going to be uh, showing up. So uh, this is not so great for uh, Claire Underwood uh, with eyes open or closed. Uh, let's uh, give you a question from Spencer Mann. Who wants to know, what the hell happened to Kathy Durant? Uh, did they leave the, her fate ambiguous because the actress isn't confirmed to be on the next season or something like that? At some point, Kathy Durant is going to wake up and be like, uh, you know, uh, I have to tell you guys that uh, Frank Underwood pushed me down the stairs. <laughs> yeah, she's going to wake up. She's going to say that. And everybody's I didn't like, like that. 
Yeah. Oh, is that? Is that uh, yeah. Never mind. Uh, <laughs> That's my uh, attempt at Kathy Durant. Yeah. No. I, you know, I thought you'd tell me if you were going to push me down the stairs. Yeah. Remember when you said you would tell me? Remember when you said you were going to tell me you pushed me down the stairs, Frank? <laughs> now look, Kathy. I'm sorry. You have to take the fall. Yeah. Remember oh, when? Man. Remember when you said you could tell me? Uh, so yeah, a very unfortunate accident for Kathy Durant. Yeah, I think we never see Kathy Durant again. Oh, we're going to see Kathy Durant again. They bring everybody back. We'll see Kathy Durant next season at some point when we've forgotten about her. She'll come back into play somehow. You know, we're going to see, we're going to see okay. Kathy Durant and, and Kathy Durant really deserved to be the winner of this season, I got to say. OK, so here's my pitch. OK, we see Kathy Durant again, but she's in some sort of Hector Salamanca wheelchair where she can just like ring a bell about things. <laughs> uh, she can't speak. She's lost her ability to talk. But they say, uh, you know, that she can uh, they can ask her questions like uh, Miss Durant. Uh, did Frank Underwood do this to you? <laughs> Did he push you down the stairs? <laughs> and she just starts hitting it really was it, hard, yeah, really fast. Was it because that you were going to testify against him? <laughs> Man, that would be some explosive testimony. Yes, yes, it would be. Okay, uh, let's take a question. Uh, Johnny DeSavera wants to know, are we sure that Leanne is dead? Uh, that he is taking credit for predicting Leanne's death, but he wants to know that, uh, is it safe to say that Doug had nothing to do with Leanne's death since he's trying to find her, but is she dead at all? We never saw her body. I mean, you know, that's what they always say, and it, it almost ruins TV when you think like, oh, if we don't see the body, you can't say this person's dead. She's you always not under a dumpster. You got to see Mr. Body. She's literally ghosting. Stop it. <laughs> Stop it. Johnny uh, Vera also uh, reminding us Robin Wright directed this episode, too. Back to My back. turn. My turn <laughs> to direct. <laughs> I did. Uh, speaking of the my turn line, which I really liked uh, to end the season, I feel like I kept seeing people tweeting my turn and I saw like a gif of my turn. But I didn't I didn't know what it meant. Um, and, and I liked that just kind of to mirror when Frank Underwood first goes into the White House or first goes into the Oval Office and he knocks his he, he knocks his hand on the desk. Um, also, you know, an interesting callback with the end of this season that Claire wants to go out for a run, but it's too unsafe. No. Uh, mirroring the end of season one when Frank and Claire go for a run and we get Frank and Claire kind of um, going off against each other, kind of like we did at the end of season three when Claire walks out on Frank. So you know, I don't know if it was intentional to call back to all of these ending shots of previous seasons, but um, I do think that we got that in this episode. Okay. I've got one other question for you. This is from uh, Spencer Y. What's about the uh, symbolism of the hole in the flag? Frank burns a hole through the star in the American flag. What was the symbolism of Frank burning a hole through the star of the flag with his cigarette and Claire coincidentally going through the flag and finding the hole at the episode's end? Was this a statement about the Underwood's disregard or disrespect for American democracy? Yeah, I think it's that. I think it's Frank sending a message to Claire that, you know, even if you think you're rid of me in this office, I'm still here. Um, I'm always going to be here. So um, she obviously knew looking at that, that it's Frank because it's a cigarette burn. Um, so similar to Doug leaving his legacy in the Oval Office, so did Frank. Well, what did Doug take? Frank said, now, Doug, uh, you can take anything you want from this office, something to hold on to. What did Doug ultimately take? So I don't know if he took anything. We see him holding the letter opener and he's got it on the top of the desk. And my thought was remembering back to when Doug thought that they were going to lose the election. And so he goes into the Oval Office and he, he carves his initials into the into the desk drawer. Mm -hmm. So, again, it was kind of kind of taking that back full circle. Uh, maybe he took that letter opener with him, um, but we didn't see him necessarily take anything. I was hoping he'd take the black egg. Yeah, whatever happened to the black egg? <laughs> yeah, we get the we get the return of everything else. We get the return Doug, of all these characters. Get your hands off my egg. Uh, that is uh, the one thing I said. Take anything. <laughs> I did not mean the black egg from season three. That is uh, uh, way too important of a metaphor, and you cannot have the black egg, Doug. He can't handle that. He can't handle that black egg. All you that can't power. handle the black egg. Okay. Yeah, uh, and I have one other observation from this episode too that I really liked. Yes. We see 
uh, Claire Underwood in lots of different outfits. Mm-hmm. Um, we see her looking very presidential, especially like when she's walking down the hotel hallway away from Frank. Um, and she's in all black and the way they shoot her, she looks very powerful in the scene where she's having uh, scotch with Seth and, and maybe a couple other scenes in the episode. She's in blue. blue, she's not in black and she's not in white. She's in like a light blue. So that's a new color palette. We haven't seen anybody in like all blue, really. Hmm. Um, so I don't know exactly what that symbolizes, but I thought power, it, it definitely stood out. Yes. So blue is the color for power now. I think that black and white are good and evil, but maybe blue is power. Or blue is democracy. Hmm, possibly. Blue is for the people. Because she actually seems like she's doing things for the people. Frank burned his cigarette in a white star. Uh, we also saw Claire wearing a white outfit when she was delivering the address to the nation. Yeah. Okay. And the address of the nation, um, I, you know, I don't I don't remember exactly what Barack Obama said when Osama bin Laden was killed. But I believe that the we got him, we got him was from that speech. Mm-hmm. Um, also, the shot of them when they do get uh, Ahmadi, that was almost like shot for shot. The same as that picture from the Situation Room where you see Hillary Clinton with her hand over her mouth. And um, in- interesting enough Mark Usher is in the Joe Biden seat in in that shot. Okay. Wow. You really have it memorized. I watched the episode twice and I somehow saw that picture randomly today. Yeah. So it, that's when it really clicked. Yeah. I also got to watch the episode twice. I watched it uh, a few nights, like the day we recorded, I think the last chapter, I watched it that night and then uh, I watched it again this afternoon to get ready for this. Uh, and your buddy, uh, Brendan Fitzpatrick says that Frank is a real Roose Bolton with the plots and schemes. Oh, my Frank's way better than Bruce Paul. <laughs> yeah. Uh, he also wanted to know about uh, that. The, is Frank Underwood a big Seinfeld fan after he brought up uh, Rochelle to Romero? But not just uh, once. He did give a Rochelle. Like, he, did, he, did, he did do a back to back. So like it might have been uh, one woman's erotic, strange erotic journey from Milan to Minsk. Uh, and that's where Romero came up with this. Yeah, I, I don't know where Petrov fits into all of this Milan and Minsk, Minsk talk. But yeah. what did you think of all the Connie Chung these last couple episodes? I mean, I think you're you're more interested in that than me. Um, no Morning Joe in the finale. They no Morning able to make Joe. No more. Uh, no more uh, Van Jones. Uh, no more Connie Chung. No more Rachel Maddow. So, yeah, it's unfortunate. Um, and I did also really like, I know I keep coming up with observations, but I'm just looking through my notes, um, that Frank Underwood, when he's talking to Claire about how, you know, the power is not in the white house, it is above the white house and Frank Underwood's hotel room is above the white house, looking down at the white house. Hmm. Okay. All right. Here we are. The end of season five. Uh, what was the highlight for you? Oh, the highlight of the whole season. Yeah. Um, you know, I really liked the scene at the end of the last episode where Frank Underwood gives his monologue and walks around the table. And, um, I just, I just thought that was so good on so many levels. Mm-hmm. What was yours? Oh boy. Uh, I really, I love the stuff with Claire Underwood, uh, coming into power. I really thought that that was when the show, uh, got particularly interesting, uh, especially like when she became the the president and then ultimately getting her involved uh, with the White House, I, I really like uh, the idea of Claire Underwood as president. I do think is more interesting than Frank Underwood as president at this point. And I, I really uh, I'll say Claire Underwood breaking the fourth wall when she called us out. I think that that was uh, really the scene that I kind of got chills like, oh, hold on a second. Did that yeah, just that happen? Was, that was a great that was a great scene. I, I really like that. Um what about we got to do MVP and LVP okay. before we go? All right. Yeah. Uh, now we had assigned the LVP to Yates. <laughs> uh, does he end up holding on to his title? The regular season LVP champion. Uh, you know, I think so. But, you know, another contender for that has got to be Conway. Conway. Yeah, he really did not bring a lot to the table. I mean, overall, uh, that he just got super wacky by the end of the season where he's like uh, yelling at the uh, pilot for no reason. And yeah. uh, there he is. And, uh, you know, we said at the time, like, is this going to be it for Conway? I'm like, I've said, I feel like that this is a wrap for Conway this year. And uh, Conway and Schmoopy Conway uh, that, yeah, that, I don't know what, if there's a different award besides LVP we can give them. But I think LVP is still Yates this season, although he had a good death. 
Yeah. And, you know, I think his his body is going to like I think you called it. His body is definitely going to come back into play. His ice cold body. <laughs> his ice cold body. He, he just like he uh, went from a hot bod to an ice cold bod. Yeah. Just like Tusk. He's frozen his body. Yeah, that's right. Maybe they're going to bring him back to life. Maybe that's going to yeah. be one of the things. Yeah. Yeah. If once they figure out a cure for that poisoning, they can bring Yates back to life. God forbid. <laughs> Hopefully oh, not no. in season six. So, no. all right, let's keep Yates the LVP, but also honorable mention for the Conways. Who's the MVP this season? I think there's lots of people who could have the MVP. I mean, we we could definitely say Claire Underwood. Um, depending on how this all works out, we could have said Frank Underwood, although he's in a tight position. Um, you know, I want to, and maybe this is more rookie of the year, but I loved Mark Usher. Mark Usher. I thought he was a great addition to this show. Um, and I'm really excited to see what they do with him moving forward. I think uh, Claire Underwood is the MVP of the season. I thought that she was so great uh, throughout the year. And I really did love her storyline and, uh, you know, just how well balanced she stayed throughout this whole thing. But I would say that my rookie of the year, I think it's Jane Davis. Uh, she comes in, in the middle of the season. I'm like, who is this wacko? But I feel like that every time she was on the screen, it's like, what is she up to? I mean, she's the one person who's playing so many different angles. She is the little finger of the House of Cards world. Yeah, no, she definitely is. She's got her hands in lots of cookie jars. Um, you know, and and I'm I'm interested. You know, that's why I don't want this show to go away because I want to see. You know, who does Jane Davis work for? Mm-hmm. Who is she? Who is she really working for? And you know, is there more to her and Mark Usher than we're seeing? Yeah. Okay. Any other superlatives you want to give out? Oh, man. Um, you know, I think not a superlative, but a prediction for next season when Mark Usher said that there's going to be tech people on Claire Underwood's cabinet. I think we're seeing the return of the Mark Zuckerberg crybaby guy next season. Oh, that guy could come back. Certainly. Yeah, certainly. Uh, what were the major deaths of season five? Uh, so we certainly have Yates, which we talked about, and Leanne. Uh, we also had uh, McAllen. That was another one of the uh, bigger deaths of the season. Did we yeah. lose any any other major characters this season? I mean, we lost uh, Amadi, but well, that was – I mean, he's not really a character. And um, and uh, what's his name? James, not James Miller, but the the one of the the guys who captured James Miller. Right, that was right. the first episode. Yeah. Well, going back to Leanne, what, what happened where Leanne got her gun and then just started driving? Like what was it that made her sort of freak out? Oh, I think it was that she, you know, they they told her that she was not going to be chief of staff anymore. And she goes back to her office and her office is already cleaned out. Mm-hmm. And I think she just realizes, oh, crap, I gave them the one piece of leverage that I have. Right. And now they have no reason to keep me alive. So let me uh, get the world's tiniest gun and get out of here. Yeah. And, you know, what are you going to do? You're going to take that gun and go hang out at Doug Stamper's house, the yeah. Doug house. Like, right. Yeah. Bad idea. Also, yeah. um, that where'd she keep her gun in the coffee canister? Yeah, the cookie jar. Again, people with their hands in the cookie jar <laughs> all over the place on this God. show. All right. Well, what is the final hashtag of the season, Zach? Uh, so I wasn't sure for a while what it would be, but it's got to be literal. Uh, ghosting. Yeah, I think that's one of the more inspired <laughs> ones that we had. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Too many people not showing up for things because they're dead. They are literally ghosting. So. Oh, my God. It's like everybody who I'm trying to sell things on Craigslist to right now is literally oh, ghosting well, God me. forbid. No, I mean, it, 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 <laughs> it happens enough to people that go on Craigslist. You're lucky that That's you're not true. literally ghosting putting your stuff on Craigslist. <laughs> That's a good point. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, don't, don't even, like, put your name out there as a suspect. <laughs> Hammerschmidt will have no idea. He's never going to be able to admit <laughs> yeah. that. Uh, Zach, uh, did, uh, are you responsible for the murders of these, uh, missing people on, uh, Craigslist? <laughs> no, it was Doug Stamper. No, he said no comment, no comment on that. <laughs> yeah, <Not> that's comment. <laughs> <you>. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, Zach Brooks, uh, job well done. This is the fourth season that we have a recap house of cards. I believe that officially you and I have, uh, gone through, uh, now, what is it? I mean, there's been, uh, this was chapter 65. We only didn't do the first season, right? So we have done, what, 52 House of Cards recaps? Plus, we did a season one overall recap to start off. And I think we've done a couple feedback, feedback shows, shows along the yeah. way. All right. So, so, wow. We're probably close to, 
you know, almost to 60. Just about. All right. Well, we'll see what happens uh, in the future or if there ends up being some sort of news where we need to come back and uh, talk about this some more. But uh, job well done. Of course, follow Zach Brooks on Twitter. He is at Brooks ZA. Anything else you want to mention before we sign off? No, I think I have uh, said all there is to say about this season of House of Cards and uh, stay away from the Josh Senium. Yeah. You know, that stuff can be lethal. Be careful with that. Uh, you had said that uh, our mutual friend Jordan Kalish said this was four out of five Frank Underwoods. Is that uh, correct? Uh, I believe it was him. Um, there were a couple people that said they really liked the season. Yeah. What um, did you give it? What's your rating? Uh, I don't think it's quite that high. Um, you know, the first half, there were definitely some slogs. Um, you know, I think it's, it would be easier for me to rate the actual seasons and, and rank them. Um, you know, I still think the first season is the best, mm-hmm. followed by um, last season, so season four. You know, and then two, three, and five are kind of uh, somewhere in the middle. Okay. Um, I mean, they're, they're all they're all enjoyable. It's just... You know, sometimes they can it can meddle a little bit in the middle. Yeah, I think it's hard to rank the seasons for me. I sort of uh, they blend together and I forget exactly what happened where. But I would say I thought that the first half of the season is probably uh, three out of five Frank Underwoods and probably the second half ends up being four out of five Frank Underwoods. I'll say it's three and a half Frank Underwoods out of five. Yeah, I'd probably give it about the same number of francs. And it did hold my interest. I was a little worried about, uh, you know, political overload with uh, everything that's going on in the news constantly and Twitter. But I felt like that uh, this uh, ended up getting uh, so wacky and so soapy that uh, I did not uh, find myself constantly comparing it to the real world. No, yeah, I think when we came into this, we were really worried about that. In the first episode, we talked quite a bit about how it compares to the real world. But um, hopefully, you know, if this show comes back, they continue to lean into the ridiculousness of this show um, and the craziness that they can do and don't try to replicate things from real life. Yeah. Um, just because we got enough of real life already. Yeah, that uh, you end up getting immersed in it and then it ends up being its own thing. So there you go. All right. So, uh, job well done. Thank you guys so much for listening to all of these podcasts. Thank you so much to Alex Kidwell, who edited all of these House of Cards uh, recaps uh, this season. Uh, stay tuned for much more on Post Show Recaps, uh, including everything we're doing on Fear the Walking Dead. We just did our Better Call Saul finale recap. Uh, we will have a Better Call Saul feedback show coming up next week on Season 3. And then uh, we're right around the corner from Game of Thrones. A uh, big Season 7 trailer dropped today. So uh, lots of hype about Game of Thrones. So uh, Get hype. Yes. Hope you guys uh, stick around on Post Show Recaps. PostShowRecaps.com slash iTunes to subscribe. Take care, everybody. Have a good one. Bye. Bye.